have your Bibles with you tonight, I invite you to open them to the first gospel, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, to be specific. We continue in our sermon series entitled to bless. I want you to listen real close tonight. According to those who study people's hearing, most people only hear 20% of what is said. If you have a wife, you probably hear even less. <laughs> Speaking about destiny, not hearing very well, I heard of the art of hearing painter. He was called to a wealthy lady's house for a paint job. He went, knocked on the door, said, I'm your painter, what would you have me to do? And she said, well, I want you to go to my garage. I want you to get the white paint, and I want you to paint my porch. He said, I can't quite understand what you're saying. Can you speak a little bit louder? She said, I want you to go to my garage. I want you to get the white paint. I want you to paint my porch. And he still had that, I don't understand what you're saying, look. He said, ma'am, just one more time. One more time. She said, I want you to go to my garage. I want you to get the white paint. I want you to paint my porch. He said, I got it. Well, he went and was gone for a couple of hours, came back, knocked on the door and said, ma'am, I'm finished. But I want you to know just for the record, I painted a Corvette, not a Porsche. <laughs> I want you to listen to that. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. Because Jesus is the king is going to be talking to you and I about kingdom living. How those who are citizens of his kingdom should relate to one another and interact with those who are not citizens of his kingdom. And the things that he's teaching us, as we've seen, go against the grain of human worldly philosophy. Jesus is talking to us about how to be a blessed citizen in his kingdom and be a blessing to other people. Now, if you were to go out there and ask people, how do you get blessed? What would they say? They would say, well, you need to be handsome or pretty. You need to be educated or experienced. You need to be an insider or a celebrity or a star. You need to be rich or famous. You need to be talented or gifted. Those are the kind of people that are blessed. That's what they think. But Jesus says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. That's not the way you're blessed. In Matthew chapter 5, he speaks to those of us who listen. Look at verse 3. He says, blessed, happy, content, satisfied, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn or sorrow 
for they shall be the ones who shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit this world, earth. Tonight, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be Let's talk about this beatitude, number seven, verse six. What is this righteousness Jesus says we should hunger and thirst that if we want to be happy, if we want to be blessed, if we want to have satisfaction in a world that there is no satisfaction? What is it? Looking at your body? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now you might be thinking to yourself, Pastor, righteousness is a practice. It is a way of living. And it's true that it can be that. But I'd like to suggest to you tonight that Jesus is not talking about a practice, he's talking about a In fact, he's talking about himself. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ, for they shall be filled. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, Paul says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness from God, sanctification from God, and redemption from God. Jesus is the personification of wisdom. He's the personification of redemption. He's the personification of sanctification. May I suggest to you again tonight, he is the personification of righteousness. Jesus. Jesus. And those who will hunger and thirst after Jesus himself, they're the ones who are going to find fulfillment. They're the ones who are going to find satisfaction. They're the ones who are going to be blessed in his kingdom and in this world in which we live. Do you understand whatever we need Jesus has it. Whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. We talked about some who have bad health. They've had bad health for many years. Do you know that Jesus is the answer to bad health? He may not take away your sickness, but by his grace he'll give you the ability to live with it and to live victoriously. He calls himself the great physician. Do you know why? He has the power to heal. Sometimes healing will be on this side, but we know ultimately all healing is on that side. You say, Pastor, I'm burdened by sin. As we talked about this morning, maybe you're struggling with, with personal sin. Sin that came out of your past, and it's still with you today. And you're continually battling with those addictions, with those things that are coming out of your mouth, with those things that you're doing with your hands and your feet. 
You're burdened, you're broken by sin. Jesus says to you, he says, I'm the captain of your salvation. I'm the one who will justify you. I'm the one who will sanctify you. And I will be the one one day who will glorify you. I'll deal with your sin. You say, I'm troubled and worried. He says to you, I'm the Prince of Peace. You say, I'm lonely. He says, I'm a friend to sinners. You say, I'm weak and helpless. He has the power of God. You say, I'm uncertain and I'm unsettled. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the rock of ages. Ladies and gentlemen, what a wonderful day it will be in the church of Jesus Christ when we realize Jesus is all we need. And sometimes he will put us in a place where all we have is him. That we will learn that all we need. And maybe right now you're in such a place and God is trying to teach you a lesson. You need Jesus. Maybe not necessarily a Savior, although you might. But you need him as Lord over your life and so many other things. Bible says, if we will hunger for Jesus, like a child for candy, or a dog for a bone, or a tired, hungry man for a meal, we will find in him what we need. Now let's move on. What is this righteousness? It's the person of Jesus himself. Now, how do we know this? What, what's the nuts and bolts of how to do this? Well, think with me first of all that when we hunger for Jesus, the person of Christ, we must make him preeminent. Seek ye first. Help me out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, if you're seeking the kingdom of God, it only goes with it that you're seeking who? The king of the kingdom. We must hunger and thirst for Jesus, and we must do it by making him preeminent. He must be above all others. Nothing can come in front of him. No one can come in front of him. We make our mistakes when we try to take people, places, possessions, prosperity, power, prestige, and pleasure and put those things ahead of them and think that they will satisfy and they don't. He's called the Lord Jesus because he is high and lifted up and he sits on the throne. And he does not have anyone above him. He does not have anything above him. He is Lord. So many times we fall for Satan's lies. Satan says, take the round peg of the world and you can put it in the square peg of Jesus. It'll work. It doesn't work. Round pegs of this world will never satisfy you. Never. You need to hear that. Because some of you think you're just one paycheck away from having it made. You're just a bigger house away from having it made. You're just a new car away from having it made. You're just a higher position away having it made. You're just a plastic surgeon quake and having it made. I'm telling you 
This world cannot satisfy. If you don't believe me, go to the library and read biographies of people without Jesus. They had everything under the sun, but they never had the sun, S-O-N, and they died miserable. And most of them died young. Many of them died addicted. Because they believed the lie of the devil. The round pegs of this world fill the square hole that God put in our heart, but only Jesus. Our world has everything, but it has nothing. That's why we're the generation of pills and psychiatrists and stress and suicide and depression and despair at ever increasing numbers. Heard the story of a lady whose favorite song was Kiss So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. But as she got older, her mind started fading a little bit. You, you older folks, that's what can happen sometimes. <laughs> I'm letting in on a secret, okay? And, and not only did her mind fade a little bit, but she forgot words to the songs that she used to sing. Even for her favorite song, just so sweet to trust in Jesus. And so at toward the end of her years, she actually changed the lyrics of the song. It is so sweet to just have and you know, theologically, she was right on. That should be the way we look at it. It is so sweet to just have Jesus. Because he's all we need. Those who hunger and thirst after him and make him preeminent in that, they will be blessed. Also, when we hunger and thirst for Jesus, not only must we do it by making him preeminent, but we also must do it with a passion. What gets you excited? Can I ask that question? Does the Pittsburgh Steelers get you excited? How about the Carolina Panthers? How about the Atlanta Braves? How about a black and red by state? I know I push the right button, I just get response. What gets you fired up? Listen, I hope Jesus gets you fired I hope you hunger and thirst after the preeminent one. I also hope and pray that you hunger and thirst for compassion. That no matter what the cost, you are going to pursue him with everything that is within you. You see, we, we're passionate about a lot of things, but we're not passionate about the right thing. The right person would be better. His name is Jesus. I heard a story about a little girl who kept asking her mother for a glass of water before she had to go to bed. So at 10.30 at night, mothers, the little girl said, Mom, Mom, I need a drink of water. So the mother got up, got her a drink of water, put her back to bed. At 11 o'clock, the little girl cries out again, Mom, Mom, I need a drink of water. The mother gets up, gives her a drink of water. 11.30, the same thing, at 12 noon. At midnight, 12 midnight, 12 midnight, 12 midnight, that little girl said, Mama, which I need a drink of water. The mother said, if you ask me one more time for a drink of water, I'm going to hook it. She brought the little girl a drink of water, said, now you go to bed. 12.30, little girl said, Mama, before you whoop me, could I have a glass of water? <laughs> 
I'm sure was passionate about a glass of water. Oh, we need to be that passionate about Jesus. Those who hunger and seek after him make him the preeminent person in their life. They do it with a passion, an urgency, a joy. But also, we hunger and thirst after him that means we keep doing it. You just don't do it one time. You just don't do it on Monday and forget about it on Tuesday. You don't do it this week and forget about it next week. You don't do it this month and forget about it next month. You don't do it in 2019 and don't do it in 2020. We, we constantly will continue perpetually making him the preeminent person of our life that he might be everything to us he wants to be and more. We come after him with a passion. We do it all the time. Let me ask you a question. How much Jesus do you know? You know what the answer to that question is? As much as you want. See, you have as much of him as you want. And he gives us no more. He offers himself fully and freely to whosoever will. And he will give you of himself exactly what you want. But it has to be done One of the problems today in the church is we start strong and finish weak. Or we don't finish at all. We're constantly jumping on this bandwagon or this program. But bandwagon programs are just trendy. They don't, they're faddish. They don't last. Kind of like a diet. Listen, if you diet, you're never going to lose weight and keep it off. Because diets by nature are short term. And once you meet your goal, you go back to what you used to do, you put the weight back on. And you're usually worse off in the latter than you were in the former. Amen. People who do well losing weight do it because they make it a lifestyle. It's something they will do the rest of their life. It's not something they pick and choose that when they want to do it. They do it all the time. It becomes who they are. And we're to hunger and thirst after Jesus. We need to make him preeminent. We need to do it with passion. We need to do it with a perpetualness, a continuance. Suppose I invited you because you were hungry to my house tonight after And we had for you, as I mentioned earlier, not just a ribeye, but a bony and blackened ribeye. Not just a baked potato, but a loaded potato. Not just a Caesar salad, but a Caesar salad with homemade sourdough croutons to go on top. With real bacon, not that stuff in the jar, real bacon. And then we're going to top it off with some coffee, with half and half, not powder, the real stuff. And some cream brulee with blueberries and strawberries. I'll call you. Now, if I brought you over and you were hungry and you needed that feast, you would be my house full. But tomorrow you'd be what? 
in bunkering in. Well, that's why we need to eat every day, and that's why we pursue Jesus. We need him every day to satisfy the hungers and thirstings we have in this world. But let's move on. Talking about now how to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We've identified the righteousness as being the person of Jesus Christ. We've talked about how he must be preeminent in that hunger and thirst. We must be passionate in that hunger and thirst. We must have a perpetualness, be perpetual, constant, continual in that hunger and thirst. We also need to have the power. Power that says we're not giving up. We talked about that this morning, not giving up. You may get knocked down in the Christian life. Not maybe, you will get knocked down. But the great ones get back up. You can't knock them out. You can knock them down, but you can't knock them out. They get back up. And in our passion for Jesus, in our making him preeminent, when, this, when we seek to do it constantly and continually, we do it with the power that says, I'm not giving up. Because it's not always easy. Some of you know, <clears throat> although it's not the same, coming to church can be a challenge. You have an unbelieving spouse that tries to hinder you coming. There's a steady rain outside that tells you, don't come, you'll get wet. There's a golf course or a swimming pool or a deer stand that calls your name. Family pops in at the last minute. There's always something out there that Satan or our world or just accidental incidents will bring into our life to keep us away from church, to keep us away from worship, but also to keep us away from Jesus. There's no coincidence when you open your Bible to read it, you get interrupted. Pick up the newspaper, nobody bothers you. Read Sports Illustrated, nobody bothers you. Read Newsweek, nobody bothers you. Open up the Bible, and it's chaos at your house. The phone rings, they're knocks at the door. Little Tommy and little Mary are fighting. The dog is barking. The cat's jumping. <laughs> Close the Bible, and they all suddenly behave. Go to your prayer time. What happens? Uncle Danny, that you haven't heard from in 40 years, calls. Your next door neighbor, you haven't spoken to in a year, knocks on the door. You just got up from bed, you're sleeping again, you're falling asleep. I'm telling you, there's something that, that's always trying to hinder us in coming to Jesus and worshiping Jesus. And you have to have the power of determination just to do it. I like the night of the verse. Just do it. Don't be distracted. Don't be detoured by life's dry holes and dead ends. Now last year, talking about how to be blessed. Righteousness we pursue is Jesus. The last thing I want you to understand about that pursuit is we have to do it truly. Preeminently, passionately, 
powerfully, perpetually secure. Now, why do I say that? Because there's a lot of TV preachers out there telling you that you need Jesus so you can have health. You need Jesus so you can have wealth. You need Jesus so you can have the keys to a horse. That's a Corvette. <laughs> and painted white, by the way. <clears throat> Listen, Jesus isn't going to be used by anybody. We come to him for the right reasons. It is not money or miracles or material things. It's not health or healing. It's not a ticket to heaven either. We come to Jesus because of his glory. He is creator of all. Savior of whosoever will. He's Lord over everyone and everything. He is the true and the living God. He is gracious, he is merciful, he is good, and he is kind. He is loving and he is forgiving. There's none like him. There is none above him. There's none below him. There's only him. We come to him to worship him and adore him. The greatest worship services you and I will ever be in is Revelation chapter 4 and 5. In those services, Jesus is standing before the worship of the congregation of heaven, which consists of the redeemed saints and the angelic host. And he's being worshipped in Revelation 4 as creator. All creation worships him because he's creator. They worship him for who he is, not what he's giving them. And then in Revelation chapter 5, he once again is worshipped, this time as Savior. All those that are redeemed have saw Those of you who can't sing, you'll sing that way. Not what you want out of it. Would you want somebody to love you for you? Or would you want somebody to love you because you've got something to do? Let me ask you that question, Robbie. I think I know the answer. Nobody likes to be used. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after the righteous ones they keep. For they shall. It's about time. 